Welcome back to the 135th episode of the Daily Flip Podcast. I'm your host, Alex, and today we're going to be flipping through some of the top stories, including two talking about how divided America is and why that is the case, but from two different perspectives. And then our third story talking about an interesting proposal by Ted Cruz, the senator from Texas, and a proposal that may change the face of the Senate. And of course, we will end today with The Daily Delight, a story meant to leave you feeling positive and ready to take on the day. Now, that's enough rambling for me. Let's jump into our daily debate. What will it take for America to stop taking for granted, or Americans to stop taking for granted this beautiful country, this beautiful union that we currently live in? Because when you go to a different country, when you go to a place that has less wealth, and you see how the people live, and how joyous they are with the small amount of things that they have, you start to really appreciate and wonder why some people in America don't necessarily have a good life, even though they have all the small necessities provided for them. And maybe we should make them go on more mission trips. Maybe we should say you have to spend a year abroad with the Peace Corps or with the Red Cross. There are lots of different options that we could do in order to make sure that our um, young Americans get to go to a different country or a different place in the world, give back, and also see how great they have it here. And I think it would be an enlightening experience. But maybe some people have another point of view on how we could do that. So throw it down in the comment section. I'd love to hear what everybody has to say. So our first article comes from the Washington Examiner. Americans must rekindle the spirit of 1776. So if you can't tell, these first two articles were written on the 4th of July. That's when I initially read them and I went through, filtered through, and looked at what the authors were trying to say and really get to the core, or at least take out a few of the core quotes that get the message while also showing why they believe America's in its current state. So this one's talking about the fact that we have a big, big day coming up in about three years. Quote, as of today, Independence Day, we as a nation have three years to get ourselves together. The United States will celebrate its semi-quincentennial, if you prefer a shorter word for the 250th birthday, the cistern sentinel, wow, I'm so sorry, will do. Yet patriotism of the right and salutary kind is disturbingly attenuated. Gallup reports that from 2004 until now, the number of us who say that we are either extremely or very proud of, to be Americans has dropped from 91 to 67%, which is very near the record low. Similarly, and somewhat relatedly, confidence in the United States government has fallen all the way to 31%, at also a record low. This decline in national pride isn't merely a somewhat worrisome trend, at least for those of us who remember the massive bicentennial celebration of 1976. The current state of affairs is a tragedy. End quote. 
And it is sad to see these sort of numbers. On a day that is meant to celebrate what this nation ultimately stands for, the ability to make your own path, the ability to live your life as you see fit, contribute to your community, grow your family, and create a place that is welcoming for everybody, where everybody can strive, everybody can fight for what they believe in, and try to affect the social fabric of the nation. Even if you aren't born here, if you become a nationalized citizen, if you go through the process, you can affect what goes on in America. You can change the future of your own life and others' lives. And there's something extremely, extremely beautiful about that. And there's also the beauty of the fact that that's how I define America. That doesn't mean that that's how everybody has to define America. Because that's also a freedom that you have here in America. You can define your American dream. Now, I think it is sad that we don't all have a similar or a somewhat unified idea of what the American dream is. And that's probably why a lot of people are not as proud or very proud of the United States. Because... We don't have a unified message anymore. We don't have, ah, yes, picking yourself up by your bootstraps and working hard. That used to be part of the American ethos. Now it's not as simple as that. It doesn't resonate with everybody when you say something like that. And that shows that we are disintegrating as a culture. And I'm not trying to say, oh, it's the end of America. We're disintegrating. It's all going to be over. But the the social fabric, the mores and ideas that hold us together or used to be central to America are now becoming a little bit decentralized, therefore disintegrating. The clear picture of what America used to be is becoming a little bit extra pixelated. You're starting to get a little bit of extra blur around the edges, and you can't see the image quite as nicely. So it lends itself to a little bit more interpretation from people as to what America really stands for. So as we come up on this 250-year anniversary, the author's really, really asking us to, hey, we need to get our stuff together. We need to be proud. Remember, 100, 100 years was great. 200 years was amazing. 250 years, that's a quarter of a millennium. That is not necessarily the longest time, but in terms of modern states, that's pretty darn long. And there's something beautiful about being able to stick together, even through a civil war, even through unrest, even though we have persecuted people in the past unfairly and made them feel like second-class citizens. Even though we have all these issues, we have come out each time on top. We have come out better. We are always striving to become a better nation. That is the beautiful thing about our founding documents. They outline how we should govern, how we could govern, but they also provide us the ability to always adapt, change, and become better and always pursue the ultimate good, which is equality of everybody underneath the law, allowing everybody to have the same opportunities and providing a system that protects the people that are a little bit disadvantaged. We have a republic. We have a system that says, hey, you're not in the majority right now, but we're going to protect your rights. We're going to make sure that you're not trampled on. So maybe when you're in the majority one day, you'll respect the fact that you were in the minority and you won't step on other people's rights. And you will allow 
them to have the same opportunity to get into that majority to move up the ladder just like you did. There's something very beautiful about that, and there's something very wise about the fact that our founders were able to see this 247 years ago, that this system could work, could adapt, and would last this long. And hopefully it will last even longer. And that's what the author is saying. We need to get our act together. So he also speaks about what the bicentennial, the 200-year anniversary back in 1976, was like. And I want to really highlight the bad things that were going on before it, but how we still came together with one of his quotes. It's a little bit of a long one, so stick with me. Quote, 1976, even after a horrid decade plus of assassinations, race riots, a lost war in Vietnam, unspeakable inflation, and a first ever presidential resignation, we Americans almost universally understood all this deeply, felt it in our marrows. In 47 years since then, we've come so much further still. We defeated an evil expansionist empire without firing a shot, which, let's be clear, I, I disagree with that statement. We did fire a shot. We went to war in Vietnam and Korea, and that was against maybe not the USSR directly, but it was basically a proxy war. So, yes, shots were fired. I'm, I'm sorry. That's a little bit reductionist in my opinion, but that's, that's besides the point. Uh, quote, we transcended a unspeakable jihadist terrorism. We spread freedom and charity throughout the globe. And yes, we signify significantly turned racism and its attendant ills into vestiges rather than still regnant pathologies. The United States of America was a great country then, and we are even better now. Yet now, with far greater wealth and far less crime and much more tolerance, yes, a relatively safer world, we see and hear too many of our fellow Americans as sword bitter and angry. And now a third of us aren't very proud to be Americans. Because I'm a civic beneficiary of what is known as the spirit of 76, it's enough to make me too frequent not to look at the anti-patriots and ask perhaps uncharitably, what's wrong with you? where pray tell is the gratitude for the blessings that are even more abundant now than they were 47 years ago, end quote. So you can see two strands to it here, really highlighting that we were in a bad place in 1976. We were coming out of a hard decade, and honestly, we were coming out of a hard 20, 30 years because you had the Great Depression, you had World War II, you had a buildup afterwards of the middle class, which was great, but then you saw another collapse going into the late 60s and early 70s. So you can see that all these terrible things are leading up to it, and yet the American people were still proud and loving, and there was a whole year to celebrate, but then especially on that 4th of July, there are lots of celebrations. He goes on and gives a personal anecdote later about how special it was. So this special event also provided him a glimpse into the beauty of the American spirit, and it provided a highlight, a contrast to what everything was like before, but still how much we loved our country. And that must be very jarring when you see, okay, wow, we're really, really divided. Well, you're growing up in that time, but then you see everybody come together 
underneath the banner of America. Even the people who are fighting for more rights in that America are still proud to be an American because they have the ability, they are afforded the right to fight for more rights, which is the beautiful thing about America. When you see that contrast, when you grow up seeing one thing, but then this one event really highlights the beauty of the system you live in, even though you've seen all of its flaws, that shapes you. And I don't think he's wrong when you ask that question. What's wrong with you to some people? And it's not supposed to be derogatory. It's not meant to say, oh, you have to love America because you don't have to love America as deeply as some other people do. That would be unfair. But if you're really unpatriotic, if you really can't even say that you love your country to some degree, what are you still doing here? Go to a different country. If another country has more values that you like, go move there. Go contribute to that society because you like the society the way the society is. If you see the issues in our society as insurmountable, then leave and go to a different country. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying that you'll probably find more value in that and you'll be a better member of that society that you feel like you can contribute to rather than this one. Because we want people here in America that love America. We want America to be a place where we grow up understanding the beauty of our nation, the beauty of the freedoms that were provided, and instill that in our children so we actually perpetuate that going into the future. And celebrations like the Bicentennial or the Semi-Quincentennial, which is the one coming up for 250 years, these traditions are ways to do that. They're ways to ingrain that American spirit in people. And that can happen through the nation alone, through the culture alone. But if you're teaching your kids that America's not that great, then they're not going to take this huge moment, 250 years of existing as a country, with the weight that they should and the admiration and the love for the country that they should. And though it may seem like an indoctrination holiday, which it kind of is, there is still something beautiful about it, which is supposed to bring all of us together underneath the banner of America and acknowledging that we've lasted this long and we will keep on fighting, we will keep on getting better, and we'll make it another 250 years. So that's one perspective on what was going on in 1976 and how America has really changed since then. Now we have a different one from the other side of the aisle from the Daily Beast. America can't Americans can't even argue on what our country is. So this is a very simple, simple headline. And I most definitely agree with the premise, which is a lot of people when they're going back and forth and having a conversation about America and their worldviews, their worldviews are so separate. They're not even starting on the same yard line. If you are playing on a football field, you should both probably start at the 50-yard line. You guys are going to be facing each other, and then you're going to go head-to-head. You're going to battle when that whistle is blown. And that's kind of what this argument in battle between the left and the right is. You know, it's a friendly game of football where we're all trying to play together and really codify the American spirit And there may be a winner sometimes, but there will be a rematch and there will be winners other times. But no, these guys, they are facing away from each other and they're both at the 25-yard line. That's how it feels. This is how divided we seem sometimes. We're not even on the same yard line. We're not even on the same plane 
of existence when we're having these conversations because our worldviews are just so separate. So this is going to provide us a different perspective on what is going on here in America and why the author believes that we are so divided. So we have an understanding that we are divided and we have a, a claim or a, a begging from the other author to really get our stuff together. But now we're going to get a perspective of why things have shifted so much in those 47 years since 1976. Quote, While Americans grill burgers and hot dogs, enjoy a dip in the pool, and await the annual 4th of July fireworks display, I remain happily surprised that this day of communal patriotism is still widely accepted and generally celebrated. To be blunt... It feels like the country is coming apart at the seams and lacking some shared purpose. I'm not alone in this feeling this way. About two-thirds of Americans say the country is more divided than usual. To make matters worse, young people are already behaving that way. A Generation Lab poll conducted for NBC News last year confirmed that young Americans are segregating themselves along partisan lines. While this division is playing out across America, it is being stoked by political and cultural influencers on the left and the right who increasingly have given up on the American experiment or rejected the founder's ethos. Indeed, the one thing that the left and the right seems to have in common these days is a belief that America isn't all that great, end quote. And to be clear, before I make this statement, I am not an influencer. I have no influence whatsoever. But you can come to my channel if you want a young perspective about why America's great. You can come to my channel if you want to hear its praises while I also call out some of the BS but all under the idea that we want to become better and strive to become a place that is welcoming and enables everybody to succeed in America. And maybe one day, maybe one day I'll be big enough that I can spread that message out to other people. Probably won't happen, but I enjoy just talking to you guys that come to these videos. And if you want that positive view, even though, or I take that back, if you want that view of America that is trying to be honest, is trying to point out the cr and criticize what you can while also still doing it because we love the nation, then you can come here and you can stay away from these more negative influencers. But on the point itself, yes, I do agree that a lot of young influencers, and not even just young influencers, maybe even the 40-year-olds and the 30-year-olds who are a little bit disillusioned with America, no matter what side of the aisle they're on, they have come to prominence. Think about Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson is of the right, or a little bit more populist, but he is very disillusioned about what's going on in America. And let's be clear, I think that the author is saying that, yes, there's people who are just hating on America or calling things out in America, but it's not because they hate America that they're calling it out. It's that they're calling out these things, they're dissatisfied with the way that America is, but it's because they love this country so deeply that they do that, at least in the case of Tucker Carlson and some people on the left as well. I believe that they genuinely love this country, even though they see its faults and they want it to become better. So the, the wording here, and I'm not saying the author is implying that you have to, if you have to love America full-hearted, full sale, you cannot criticize it whatsoever. I'm not saying the author is saying that, but it could be interpreted that way, and that's not fair. 
because there is always criticism to level. When you get older, when you get old enough to really look at your parents as real people, you look at them and you criticize them for things that they do wrong. When you're younger, you don't do that. You don't really question anything. But just because you criticize them or you notice the things that are wrong and you call it out, it's not because, oh, yes, I'm going to be vengeful and I just want to call out their problems. No, it's because you love them. You see that they're human just like you. You see that America is a flawed nation just like any other nation. And you want to call them out because you love what the nation or your parents, you love them. And you want them to be better. So you call things out. If you're silent and you don't say anything, do you really love that country? If you think the country could be better and you think something has gone awry and you sit there silent and you don't actually try to change what that problem is, are you actually a person who loves your country? Or are you a person who loves the idea of your country but isn't willing to at least call out a issue that could lead to issues down the road? Or could just be un-American by its, on its face alone? Are you really American if you do that? Or do you really love your nation? I ask that question not sarcastically, not as a joke. I'm being 100% serious. Love makes you do really stupid things. And if you love America so much that you want it to survive and thrive, you're going to call out the things that you think are terrible for said country. That's just my opinion on the matter. Maybe some people think that, oh, well, you know, if I love something, I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to let it do its thing. No, no. Maybe in some cases you could do that with a bird that you caught and you really nursed it back to health and you loved it and you have to let it go, sure. But not with the country that you actively live in, in the country and society that you're going to have to participate in. No, you can't just let it go. You can't just let it roam in the woods like you would your little kid while they're trying to have a good time with one of their friends. No, you can't do that. So I think that the author's premise, while I don't think they're necessarily saying that exactly, it could be interpreted that way, and I would disagree with that statement. So let's talk about the left perspective versus the right perspective very quickly. Quote, many on the left see America as a racist country whose present status is the fruit of a poisonous tree. They want to uproot our history and destroy any lingering reverence for our founders. Many on the right now advocate a different sort of anti-Americanism, ironically cloaked in flag-waving nationalism. that says America is too weak, secular, and dissident to be a great nation. Some even seem to hold authoritarian or illiberal regimes, like those in Russia and Hungary, in high regard. Others believe it's high time for a national divorce. A lesser, to a lesser extent, these same themes are being mainstreamed by traditional conservatives. Consider, for example, Nikki Haley's nostalgic yearning for better times that never really existed. The consequences are hard to quantify. If you're a progressive who believes America is evil and racist, then its laws are illegitimate, and these values surely aren't worth exporting anywhere else. Never mind the fact that this these create a vacuum where the values that get exported come from the glorious passions of liberal tolerance like China and Russia, end quote. And I, I think there's also a very interesting part to what he's going for here at the end, which is our duty as a nation is to spread our ideology so that we have more friendly nations around the world, or at least that's that could be a way that you're, you could interpret what he's saying here. And the fact that if we don't believe in America and we're not willing to export those ideas, then the 
opposite regimes, the regimes that really are authoritarian, that are totalitarian, that are seizing the reins of power and controlling their populace in order to become larger and more impactful on the world stage, then those regimes step in to that vacuum. I think that's a very interesting way to put it at the end there. But to speak to what he's talking about, yeah, we've heard conversations about national divorce, and we've heard conversations from the right about how we're strong, not strong anymore, how we are not religious anymore. But again, I think that a lot of the people on the right say that out of a place of we want to be strong again, we want to be more religious so that we have a social safety net underneath the country or underneath the populace of the country that allows for us to thrive and be charitable without having to give money to the government to put some of our tax dollars to different programs in order to say to those people, no, you can just have your church give out blankets or food or things like that. So there's a lot more complicated conversation to that idea of a social safety net supplied by the private economy, but also a religious society. I think there's a, an interesting thing there, but it is speaking to the fact that my point about, well, they're doing it or they're criticizing because they love America, I think that still stands. And I think it goes for the left as well. If I was to steel man their case, the reason that they really care so deeply or believe so deeply that this country is racist or that it is discriminating against certain people is because they look at the outcomes of these certain segments of the population in America and they say they are not doing as well as other parts of these the population. They're not doing as well as this other segment of the population. And America is supposed to be the ultimate equal playing field. And something's going wrong here, and I can't necessarily explain what it is, so I'm going to say it's racism. And... I'm going to call it out so that we can be better and make it so that everybody has the ability to have a even starting place. They have the ability or at least the same opportunities to thrive. I think that is, again, out of a place of love for America or at least for the ideals that we hold so true in America if I had to steel man both sides of the argument. But maybe that's my more pes- uh, my more optimistic side really coming out and saying, no, 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 pessimism, get back in there. We're not having that today. Maybe I just want to be a little bit contrarian. And maybe it's because the 4th of the July has passed and I, I had a genuinely great 4th of July. I was working. But I had a great 4th of July interacting with people. Everybody had smiles on their face. Everybody where I was, out in the country, people coming from timeshares, coming from Northern Virginia, they came down, and it was a beautiful experience. I had lots of great conversations. No one was cranky. No one was sad. It was the day to celebrate America. And, you know, maybe that's why I'm so positive about it, and I'm really pushing back on these stories Or maybe it's just because I'm in a mood to defend America, baby. For any reason, it doesn't matter. I'm pushing back, and I think that they're both right, that we are moving in a direction that is a little bit scary. There is more bipartisan divide in this country, but we can come through. We always have. We can continue to do so, and we can get our act together for the 250-year anniversary of America here in three years. And I pose as a challenge. You go to your friends who may not love America as much and get them on board by then or at least have them ready to celebrate and have a really crazy day on the 250-year anniversary of America. 
All right. Speaking about divide or change in the system, this next article comes from Fox News, and its title goes, Cruz accepts Twitter users' proposal that would be would ban, excuse me, Democrats pass bills from imparting or imposing on GOP states. So, you know, this is an interesting one. And let's be clear, don't ever really take serious policy proposal from Twitter. It's kind of a trolly moment, but I did think it was an interesting idea on the face of it. And also, I thought Ted Cruz's response was honestly kind of funny. So let's go to the first quote. Quote, Senator Ted Cruz, Republican of Texas, accepted a proposal on Twitter that would fundamentally change the way laws are passed in the country. Pitched by a Twitter user who specifically named Cruz and fellow Senator John Cornyn, the proposal stated, quote, if both senators from any individual state votes against a bill, then, quote, the state shouldn't receive any benefit when said bill passes. Cruz responded, I accept. The Republican then added, quote, same for taxes, job killing regs, right? If both GOP senators vote against them, they only apply to blue states, end quote. So what he's saying here is at first you may have been like, oh, wait, hold on, wait, he's accepting that proposal? Ooh, that's that's not, not too good. But then he goes on to say, well, if we pass a tax bill and both senators from that state say no, then does that mean those states don't have to pay those extra taxes? They don't have to raise their corporate tax rate if there was a federal raise on something like that? And I think it's a it's a very interesting proposal. I think it will be very complicated because it will make it will make things a lot harder in the United States because there won't be an overall federal standard that reaches across all the states. It might make doing business a little bit more difficult across state lines because you have to pay completely different corporate tax rates, even though some I mean, for the most part, you already have to do that state to state. But imagine also having a different federal tax rate as you go from state to state. And also remember, uh, imagine the record keeping for this. You're going to have to have the bill, then you're going to have to have the Texas amendum, and then you're also going to have to have a completely separate book of Texas laws that were passed by all the senators going forward. And it will just create more paperwork and it will be a little bit of a hassle. But the idea itself is kind of interesting, I won't lie. And I don't I don't think it's tenable, and I think it's going to be too drastic of a change. But it's interesting. It's interesting because it does show that there still are creative people out here, even if this person didn't think it through all the way. And maybe I'm not thinking it through all the way. But it does show that there are creative people out here that have different ideas about how we could keep moving forward and how we can keep evolving as a country, how we can become better, how we can change our system and try to implement something new that still has at the core essence of the country that your representation in Congress, your voice is heard in Congress through your representative, and they are able to speak for you, and you're able to speak through them in order to have your opinion placed or heard or at least used in decisions of how this country is governed. And I think it's it's very interesting. Though it won't ever happen. It's not going to. I'm sorry, Ted Cruz. I know you were probably trolling too. You're just trying to be a little bit snarky. It won't happen. This will not pass. And it may be interesting to see him try. I mean, Ted Cruz tried to work with AOC on term limits and that never got through. This would be too radical of a change, but it is a little bit of a funny article. So 
wanted to at least point it out and, you know, tell you there are still changes that could be made to this country. And if you have a radical idea, maybe you could text your senator or tweet your senator and maybe they would respond. All right, so let's jump to our last article, which is our daily delight. This one comes from Powder. And yes, I know, Powder, which is normally a ski magazine. What What's going on here? It's summer. I mean, you could still ski in some places around the world, probably where it's really, really cold, but it's summer here in America. There's not much powder going on. Well, well, hold on. It does have to do with ski resorts, but a little bit of a different aspect. Quote, summer is a slow season for most ski resorts, but you know, it is the perfect time to select the next generation of winter rescuers. Quote, my favorite type of these summer social posts are the announcements of the new avalanche rescue puppies. Without further ado, meet Olive, an adorable black lab who is the newest member of Arapaho Basin Ski Area Ski Patrol. End quote. And, you know, she definitely is smaller than a St. Bernard, which is what most people are probably picturing, but she is still a very, very adorable dog. Quote, I mean, come on. She's so cute that I had, to, I had to just post something about her. Can you blame me? Olive has her own Instagram account for those of you looking for more content on the aspiring avalanche rescue pup. Give her a follow here at Olive on Patrol, end quote. And if you want to see any of the cute photos or videos of Olive or read any of today's articles, there will be a link in the description below that like and subscribe button where you can find all of them. Also down there is a link to the podcast on Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Podvine, as well as the link to the Twitter at Your Daily Flip, where you can find my Twitter tirades that I put out on Tuesday and Thursday, and also post links to the YouTube videos on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so you can come directly to it if you follow the Twitter. All right. With all that said, there's only one more thing to say. Stay safe. Don't die. <laughs>